Hi, I'm lead pastor, Noel Peepgrass. Welcome to the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. You're welcome to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. in our historic building at 218 Pine Street. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or visit our Instagram page. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Noel. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you guys for having me here. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I love this space you guys have. I love, I've met, met you guys, uh, some of you, and it's, it's a neat little group here. Um, Noel texted me a couple weeks ago asking if I would be willing to come and preach on a Sunday, and uh, I'm someone, as you mentioned, who loves digging into God's word, and I love sharing what I find, so I was happy to accept. And so then I asked, uh, okay, what, so what are we reading through? What are we talking about? And he told me, you guys are in Matthew, and specifically Matthew 10, that this series was called the Mission Manual, and my portion would be the traveling instructions. And I said... Great. I was uh, not too excited um, because, you see, I do love Jesus. Um, I love to talk about him and worship and follow him, but I am not an evangelist. Uh, I want to see people meet Jesus. Um, I do, but I think both from legitimate gifting and personality reasons and also from fear reasons, uh, I have not been someone who has boldly spread the good news uh, to those who are far from him. And I just want to be upfront with you guys. I feel like I'm the wrong person to be giving this sermon. Um, and if that's you too, uh, great. Join me in feeling very uncomfortable as we read these words of Jesus. And I think you'll find, though, as I have, that Jesus has something for us here too, um, for all of us. Because you see, um, we live in a broken world full of dying people. I, I mean, there's so much goodness, but just even hearing the prayer requests, and we've got some things going on in our life right now, people that are near us and are sick and are far from God, and it's, it hurts. Um, but the good news is that God loves the dying and the broken. He loves them so much that he invaded our enemy world, to launch his kingdom of life and peace. That's what Jesus proclaimed. And this whole mission manual here in uh, Matthew chapter 10, it's here because we are commissioned by Jesus to join him, to go forth and proclaim the good news of his presence and his lordship, just like he did before us. So my goal this morning with you is to show you that Jesus' guiding words for his disciples is to simply do what he has already been doing. Jesus wants us to copy him in both actions and affections. Jesus is our model for mission. So what are the traveling instructions that Jesus has for us? They're follow me. So if you would open your Bibles, if you have them, and turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to pray for us, 
and then we'll read God's word together. Lord God, we thank you for this morning, this beautiful morning. We thank you for the chance to be together. I just pray that your spirit would be in this room. Would you guide our hearts and minds this morning as we open your word? Lord, I ask that you would give um, me your words to speak, that what I say would be true to you um, and, and would be truly what you have for us. And I pray for all of us as we hear your words, you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to, to see you more clearly. God, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 10. I'll be starting in verse 5. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? These 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the first things you'll notice when you read this passage is there are a lot of instructions there. Some of them are very specific, and some of them are a bit odd to us. Cleanse lepers. Don't take two tunics. No copper for your belts. How do we make sense of this? Now, there are similar lists of traveling instructions in all four Gospels. And there have been many pastors and theologians who have reckoned with why the lists are different, how they're the same, what that means, what they have for us. And I was broadly aware of that uh, field of study. And that's actually one of the reasons I wasn't terribly excited to preach this sermon. because I, That gets technical in ways that don't excite me. Um, so that's actually not what I'm going to do here. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. But I think it's fair to do so, because the reason for that is as I read this passage multiple times, and I started to familiarize myself with it, I really started to think, wait a second, this sounds familiar. Go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Isn't that exactly what we've seen Jesus proclaiming in chapter 4? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Jesus has been doing that the whole time. Matthew even described him in the passage from last week doing most of those things. What about all the instructions for not taking money or tunics? Well, didn't Jesus say to someone in chapter 8 that foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Jesus 
has been modeling this lifestyle of taking no payment, owning nothing, proclaiming the kingdom, depending on God for sustenance. He's been doing that the whole time. Jesus is the model. He is the one to watch. I don't think this passage is really about specific instructions. Really, he's telling his disciples, just do what you've seen me do. Follow me. You see how I've been proclaiming the kingdom and manifesting it, making it real, teaching and touching? Do that. Actually, the main reason I see for the, the specific list is to draw the disciples' attention to the things to leave behind. Because all those things for a journey, those, are, those aren't unreasonable. They're actually wise things to take on a journey. But I think enlisting them, Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's the world's wisdom. Don't look at the world's wisdom. Look at me. So as you read through the rest of Matthew, as a church, this coming year or so, um, know that Jesus is the one to watch. Pay attention to him. Make him your model for mission. He is living out the kingdom of God in the presence of others. Do that. Now, I know that just saying, do like Jesus, is a big assignment on, on its own. Uh, so, but there's something else in this passage that tells me Jesus doesn't just want us to imitate his actions and what he does. He also wants us to copy his heart. You may have noticed at the very beginning, um, Jesus instructs his disciples to go to the lost sheep of Israel. The lost sheep isn't just a cute phrase uh, that shows us that those who are far from God are lost, wandering around, needing to be gathered up. That's all true. But there's more here that brings us past mere facts and into God's heart. You see, we saw this reference to sheep in last week's passage. There, Matthew told us that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus doesn't just observe that the people are like sheep, analytical from a distance. No, he cares for them. He loves them. He feels compassion for them. Why? Because they're harassed and helpless. These sheep are being attacked, and they can't do anything about it. The word that my Bible translates as lost actually means something closer to dying. The situation is desperate. And Jesus cares. He cares for you. He cares for your neighbor. And this caring, it's not just a sad, pitying, that's a bummer kind of caring. Jesus is angry. You know, if we go back to the Hebrew Scriptures, in the book of Ezekiel, God refers to his people as sheep too. And in that case, he is infuriated at the shepherds, the religious and political leaders, whose job it was to protect the sheep. God says that instead of providing and protecting the sheep, they had been taking from the sheep, slaughtering the fat ones and leaving the weak ones to be devoured by wolves. So God says he is going to put an end to their rule and that he himself will seek out his sheep and will rescue them. And now Jesus, God himself, has come to do what he said he would. This is why Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd. 
This is why he refers to the lost sheep of Israel here. Jesus is striding through Israel with perfect fury and perfect love. And here he invites his disciples to join him. Come, he says, let's go find the sheep. Don't resent those who are lost. Be careful that your heart doesn't get bitter towards them. Let's love them and rescue them because they're dying. And let's bring an end to all that harasses them. Go, he says. Tell them that my kingdom has come. Where I am the king and I am the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep so that they will find green pastures and they will lie down in peace. Join me. Be a shepherd like me. Jesus wants his disciples, you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, to follow him in both his ways and his affections. Now, before we move on, I do want to clear up something that stands out to me and you may have wondered about when we read the passage together earlier. In verse 5, you may have been thrown off by Jesus' insistence not to go to the Gentiles or Samaria. And again, Gentiles are non-Jews, so actually that's most of us here probably. Um, But Jesus says, only go to the lost sheep of Israel. Doesn't Jesus care about anyone else? Like, what's that about? I just want to share with you guys, here is a place where we can zoom out and see the, the story of God throughout the whole Bible. What is God doing? See, in the very beginning of the Bible, like the first two chapters, and in the very end of the Bible, the last two chapters, uh, we see God's desire to live in communion with the whole world. The problem is, in the whole in-between, and the part that we're living in right now, sin and death have made an awful mess of things, and we have fallen. So in Genesis... In the beginning, we see that God reached into this mess and chose one man, Abraham, to bless and and told him that from him would come a people, the people of Israel, that would be specially chosen to be God's people. God has a special relationship with the people of Israel. However, even there from the beginning, when God blessed Abraham, he told them that in you and in your family, All families of the earth shall be blessed. This promise is echoed again and again all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. In Joseph, in Solomon, in Daniel, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel, over and over and over again. That God would be with Israel and would bless them. So that through them, he might bless the whole world. So when we see here in Matthew, a book that was written primarily to a Jewish audience... And in these commands that were given to his 12 Jewish disciples, when we see that Jesus tells them to go to the house of Israel, it is not because he doesn't care about anyone else. But it's because God is fulfilling his promise. He has come in Jesus to fulfill his covenant with Israel and bless the world. Jesus' words here in Matthew 10 were spoken to the 12 for the Jews. But because they did what he said, and because God has done what he said, then these words are for us too. These men were commissioned by God to proclaim his kingdom to the Jews. And through them, though, that commission has become the great commission, which is our commission 
So if you are a follower of Jesus here, these instructions are ours too, but for the world. So, what do we do? If these are instructions are for us, what does that look like? How can you, right here in Exeter, California, take what Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago and make it happen now? And that's an exciting question, one that will take our creativity and our vision. Um, and what's fun is that in talking with Noel, he says this church is full of fire and full of faith to bring the life of God's kingdom right here to this town. And so I am excited and humbled to be a part, uh, a small part, in pointing out that way to you. And honestly, I, I can't think of a better way, a better thing to tell you than to look at Jesus. Follow him. Uh, just as I think Jesus is telling his disciples to do like he did, I think he's telling us the same same thing. So I'm going to share with you uh, three broad ways that I see Jesus telling us to do like he did. But then you get to spend a lifetime of creativity and your resources to use the gifts that God has given you to apply them specifically to here. Okay, does that work? So in reading this passage, here are the three broad ways I see to model yourself after Jesus. Number one, teach and touch. Number two, travel lightly. And number three, trust God's wisdom. So let's go through those. First, what do we do? As Noel has said it uh, repeatedly this morning, we've heard it, um, we teach and we touch. We teach we proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that God's kingdom of life has invaded this world of sin and death all around us, and he has made a way for us to be joined with him through Jesus in his kingdom. There is one king and one God. This is a message of repentance, and it's a message of hope. It's a message of repentance because we are all deep in our own rebellious ways, and it takes humility to accept God's ways above our own. But it's also a message of hope. Because God's mercy is marvelous. His love is unending. And, we, and he has promised that one day the king will come. And all will be made new. Exeter needs to hear that story. It needs to hear that story joyfully and hear it clearly. But this message does not go without action. We teach as Jesus did, but we also touch as he did. We apply every gift he's given us, both natural gifts and gifts of the Holy Spirit, to making that future kingdom a reality right here and now. One day, when Jesus returns once and for all, there will be no more sickness and death. He has promised that he will be wiping every tear from every eye. That is our hope, one day. So with that in mind, right now, we bind up wounds, we heal, we comfort, we cleanse. Sounds like you guys have some amazing opportunities right here uh, to do that. 
One day, God will give freely to all to eat from the tree of life and drink from the river of life without payment. That's one day. So right now, we give generously to all who have need. We feed the hungry. We fill the empty. One day, every secret will be laid bare. Every wrong will be made right. So right now, we confess freely and we forgive generously. And we relentlessly seek justice in the world around us. We protect the widows and the orphan, the poor and the foreigner. No, it won't be perfect. Nothing will until Jesus comes again. But we can show the watching world glimpses of the reality that we proclaim. Let's apply ourselves with everything we have to making that happen. Amen? Doing that well will take resources. Which is why the second way that we model ourselves after Jesus is by traveling lightly. (coughs) If I'm speaking honestly, this is the hardest one for me, and I'm guessing for many of us. I don't know exactly how to translate don't take two tunics or take no sandals from Jesus' day to our current times. We don't wear tunics. Sandals are a little different. Um, But if we are seeking to model ourselves after Jesus, we need to wrestle with the plain truth that Jesus had absolutely no interest whatsoever in amassing earthly wealth. Over and over again, Jesus made it very clear that money and wealth and material comfort distract us from a life of dependence on God, and they get in the way of the proclamation of God's kingdom. And it's not Jesus either. We have example after example from Christian history, from the Apostle Paul to St. Francis of Assisi to John Wesley and countless others who testify with their lives that such a life is both possible and powerfully used by God. I think we do need to ask ourselves what our our lives are actually putting on display. When we go to those who are searching, what are we actually converting them to? The kingdom of God or the American dream? Jesus calls us to travel lightly. Now, I am well aware of objections to this because I have them myself. Jesus Paul and St. Francis didn't have families to take care of. We live in a post-industrial revolution society and wealth and things and comforts, and they look different. I think there are valid considerations to be made. I do. But I also know that in myself, when I, when I start making these caveats, a lot of them are rooted in the fact that I don't want to change. I like being comfortable. I like my life as it is. So let me be clear today that I don't know what the right answer is about traveling lightly for myself, let alone for you. Um, I am not coming with what rules or what this specifically looks like. That's between each of us and God. Um, But what I do suggest for all of us to do, myself included, is what commentator Frederick Dale Bruner said about this section, this uh, passage about what to take with us. I love what he said. He said, no matter what you make of these commands, 
We are all asked to rub our consciences along these two verses. I love that image of taking time with God and rubbing your conscience along these two verses. I do want to say one additional thing. I do know that in every single case, I can't think of one otherwise. When I gave something up for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom, I have never once regretted it. Uh, Our God is not a killjoy. He loves to bring us past fear and into true happiness. Amen? So finally, uh, the third way that I see we go on mission like Jesus is by letting us be us and let God be God. We trust in God's wisdom. You might have noticed that there's a big chunk of today's passage that I haven't talked about at all yet. And it may have been part of the passage that stood out to you the most because it sounds harsh, right? Let's read it again. It says, Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now there's a lot there that I wish I had time to dig into with you, but I don't. Um, No one wants that time. Uh, If you have further questions about those, there are many resources Noel could point you to to help you wrestle with that passage. So I'm just going to make a few observations on what the passage is saying and what it's not saying. First, this passage is very clear that people will reject the gospel of the kingdom of God. And this isn't the only place Jesus says this. Earlier in chapter 7, he said, don't throw your pearls before swine. He says many times, many who will hear who do not hear, and many will see who do not see. In fact, although we might struggle with this truth, people rejecting God because it seems harsh to us, at least it does to me, Jesus actually seemed pretty comfortable with that fact. Who hears and responds to the call of God's kingdom is a mystery. The what and the why of that belong to God alone. But it's clear that many who we think will respond won't. And many who we couldn't imagine responding do. This message might be a hard word, but in some ways it's freeing. You and I, we are called to faithfully proclaim the kingdom of God, but we are not held responsible for producing results. God is not keeping track of your quota of conversions. Those belong to God. And in a world that judges you Only by what you produce, this is good news. God frees us on our mission from the tyranny of performance. Now, this doesn't mean we're content with mediocrity. Or that we can be rude or cruel and say, hey, if they don't respond to what I said, that's their problem. That's God's problem, not mine. No, no, uh, far from it. Our call 
is impossibly high. Be like Jesus. That's, we've got enough on our hands, and that is, should be our focus, not on the results. And similarly, this passage is not telling us to stay comfortable and ignore the fact that people all around us are dying. Your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates are lost and dying, harassed and helpless. And Jesus loves them. This passage is Jesus' commission to his disciples, but it points forward to the great commission at the end of Matthew that is for all of us. Jesus, our King, who we have sworn allegiance to, he has ordered you and I both to go. That can be scary. But Jesus has also promised that he will be with us. That he has been given the authority that he shares with you. And he has told us that there will be people who want to hear. The harvest is plentiful right here in Exeter. Jesus is inviting you to join him on his mission to expand his kingdom. Let's accept that invitation. So I want to close with uh, a last little bit of really practical advice. Um, So you have something leave here with, okay, this is what I can do. Uh, I heard this passage preached a few years ago, and something the preacher said has really stuck with me. He seized on this image that Jesus gives of people of peace. And he told us to look for the people of peace in our lives. You can do this right now. I am sure that given a minute, you can think of several people in your life co-workers, neighbors, friends who do not know Jesus, who are not yet part of his kingdom. Yet you know that you have a connection with them. Maybe you've shared a vulnerable moment together. Maybe you just really like them and they like you. Uh, But I think if you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, he will bring two or three people to mind that he has brought into your life intentionally. So start there. You don't need to start preaching on the street corner and just like casting it. Start there. Be bold to share the good news that God has come to begin overturning this kingdom of sin and death and bring in life under his good King Jesus. See and participate in Jesus' compassion for your friends and his anger at the forces seeking to destroy them. Look for ways to pray and make God's kingdom a reality in their life. Church, with our eyes firmly focused on Jesus, the author and completer of our faith, let's teach and touch the lost sheep of Exeter. Let's travel lightly and let's trust in God's wisdom. I can't wait to share stories of the harvest. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we just, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your life, that you came first, that you show us what you, God, not only did you come, you came to participate, you invaded this world. Lord, we, we thank you for your love and for your compassion. 
We thank you for all you've given us. And God, we just pray that you would, by your spirit, would build in us um, a life that, that sees you and follows you. God, would you help us to be your hands and feet for our town? Would you help us to be your hands and feet for, for those around us that we love? Give us your eyes. Give us your power. God, would you, can we pray for our friends who are lost? And would you open your way? We, we long for you. Make this world uh, right. God, we, we ask that you would, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. To you we look. In Jesus' name, amen.